When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity. We're presented by Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence. And Connor Clark at C underscore Clark underscore 27. So, good story in The Athletic by Scott Docterman. Laying out some of the storylines for 2023 in the Big Ten. First things first, get through signing day 2.0 for Nebraska tomorrow. See what spring ball looks like with the new coaching staff, the new additions, what attrition exists, and what's the health of Casey Thompson quarterback-wise on top of what kind of wow Sims can bring you. Obvious take, the offensive line's got to make strides defensively. Can you figure out roles Uh, for the talent you've brought in and the talent you've retained. But 2023 should be pretty interesting as we go down the list. And and you've had this happen in Big Ten football uh, every year. Somebody's emerged and somebody's fallen flat on their face. The team that's really fallen off since they've hit the mountaintop, and that is getting to a conference title, Two of the two years, two times in four years is Northwestern. They are four and twenty uh, in their last uh, couple of seasons. They're the, just a team that doesn't quite seem to fit into this NIL era. No, and and the thing about Northwestern, we'll get to Nebraska. I promise. They lose nine portal guys per one they gain because of their admission standards. Is Michigan a team that can finally listen? They've been to the playoffs in back to back years. And they handed it to, to TCU. I don't know that they touch Georgia. I don't think they do. Hell of a lot more competitive than that title game. But they're, they're going to have McCarthy and they're going to have Corum back. And they've, they've rebuilt. They've done well on the lines of scrimmage. And they've kept guys in the program. It's not that they don't have portal or losses. But their lines of scrimmage are really pretty good. And they've made some key additions via the portal per the line of scrimmage the last couple of years. So Ohio State seems very, I should say Michigan seems pretty steady. What what happens with with Ohio State? They still are talented. They still have Travion at running back. They still have uh, uh, Starvin Marvin Jr. Uh, okay, Who could be the best wide receiver He's in the country. just incredible, and he showed it as a freshman, and they're still going to be good defensively. But uh, what do they do at quarterback? Right. Stroud's been which five? Which five star do they go to yeah, now? Yeah, they're going to have somebody. No, I know, but but what they've had and what's stepped in has been pretty seamless. I mean, we're they talking just, back-to-back what was a top 10 pick and most likely a future top 10 pick, or at least top 20 overall, pick in, yeah. in, in, in CJ Stroud. You never know what happens around draft season, especially with the quarterbacks, but I think it's a pretty safe bet that if not top 10, he's going to be top 15. Sure. And and I think he goes five, honestly. So you have that. Penn State, listen, Penn State quit fooling around, and they have a running game. They, they have Nick Singleton and Katron Allen, uh, Allen 
both uh, combining for 22 rushing touchdowns. So when push came to shove, Penn State had a clear identity. They've always had dudes on the defensive side of the ball. So are they ready to, to get back into that conversation for the East or the greater Big Ten? Uh, they've not been able to to beat Michigan or Ohio State, right? That's been their Achilles heel. Otherwise, 11-2, and two, what they did to Utah was impressive. We turn to Nebraska right now, and, you know, is Nebraska one of those teams that rises this year? Because of where they're at, the zip code they live in, who they have now as head coach, and is it really just a, a situation where they can put it together? Let's go back. 2019, that, that it team was Minnesota. 11-2, and two, they rose up. And they've kind of stayed in that conversation, at least for a West Division crown. In 2020, uh, you had Northwestern really bump up uh, and win the West. Uh, COVID was, was really weird. Uh, in 2021, you had... I'll Michigan. you explain that away. <laughs> Northwestern wins West. Ah, well, COVID they, was no, weird. They, they were good. They did it twice. Northwest, yeah, they've done it twice. Northwestern's put guys into the NFL. Mm-hmm. They have. The, the 2010s was really their decade of being it, I mm-hmm. get. Like, for their standard. Yeah. I mean, they sure. won bowl games. They won 10 games multiple times. And sure. They, they, they climbed up, and they've kind of revisited that. Now they've... they've <clears throat> Had too much tequila, yeah, <laughs> and and they are trying to crawl out of the bar right now. Uh, for Nebraska, though, can Nebraska be a version of that team that, that just kind of comes out of nowhere? Sparty did it in twenty twenty one, eleven and two, and then last season Maryland was pretty impressive at eight and five in the East, and then you had Illinois finish at eight and five, but they were close to to nine or more this year. Iowa has the 130th ranked offense while they're getting an infusion in a couple of Michigan transfers. They had a defense that held nine teams to 10 points or less. They're going to have to reload there. They're losing some special people. So I'm saying Iowa's not going to be what they've been, uh, a West Division champ until Nebraska showed up. Uh, Purdue, coaching change, and Braum is special, whatever you think of the guy. They're two years removed from 9-4, and four, okay, mm-hmm. with two top five wins. So I guess my take here is why can't it be Nebraska? I guess the, the detractor is it's year one. In year one, that'd be a tough ask. But I think Purdue's going to step back. I think Illinois will be okay. They're only going to get better. I think Northwestern with a new coordinator, it may take a couple of years. I think Iowa will probably be better just because they'll have better, better talent at quarterback, but their defense won't be as theoretically, as we talk in almost February, as good. And, and then Minnesota. I think Minnesota's gettable uh, despite what they've been. They've just seemed to, to reload with a, a team that can win you seven or eight ball games. So uh, Nebraska, to me, is a team that you can look out for, and it's okay to think about. Let's talk after spring before we say it out loud. Is that team in the West that's due to rise? If I'm putting my money right now based on the five-star quarterback in the running game, I think Penn State could – could maybe get Ohio State next year just because of of the quarterback question uh, with Ohio State, uh, and then I think Michigan is is still your your class of the Big Ten. But who rises, who falls? I'm interested right now to hit some of these storylines with it because you know the, the, for for lack of a better term, by default because of the division you're in, as wide open as it's been. 
I think you have a good shot with the talent you have, the talent you keep, and the head coach you brought in if you're Nebraska. Well, I, I personally think that there's a most interesting storyline in the Big Ten for the first six games of the season and a different one for the last six games of the season. And when I look at the first six, I actually think it's what does year one look like for Matt Rule in Nebraska and how does that look compared to Luke Fickle in Wisconsin. I think that's your number one storyline in the Big Ten through the first six weeks of the season. Because you look at the Big Ten East, and you mentioned it, Schmitty, like through six weeks, realistically, Michigan should be 6-0, and Ohio State should be 6-0. and Penn and State's it, right, somewhere. It, the, the question is then who is that third team in the Big Ten East that maybe can give one of those two teams a run for their money? Is it going to be Penn State with the talent they have? Is it going to be Tungavailoa in Maryland with Coach Loxley? Are they going to be uh, continuing their rise next year? Are they going to be the team that maybe puts a scare into Michigan or Ohio State? That's your East storyline for the first six games, and like, really, that's not that exciting. For the last six games, it comes down to, all right, Michigan, Ohio State, who's going to be the Big Ten representative in the college football playoff? That's what the storyline has been for probably three years now. It's going to continue that way next year. So that, that that's going to dominate the final six weeks. But the first six weeks, you look at it, with the way that Fickle and Rural were each brought into their respective stops and the type of message they're bringing to each school, I think that's your most interesting storyline in the Big Ten. Uh, if not the Big Ten as a whole, at least the Big Ten West. What does Fickle look like trying to change what Wisconsin is? Take them from what they've been, what's made them successful dating way back to Alvarez to now. All right, well, they're going to go, I can't call it fun and gun, but it's closer no, it's to that than it ever has been. Air raid and it's wide a, open. Air raid, wide <laughs> open, quick offense, no huddle. Like, that's a big change for Wisconsin. What does that look like the first six weeks? And then what does this Matt Rule bring Nebraska back to its roots look like through the first six games of the season? Because these are two hires that are always going to be tied at the hip. Everyone's going to compare Matt Rule in Nebraska to Luke Fickle in Wisconsin. That's just the way it goes with the timing of those hires, with the the high-profile nature of those hires, with the assumption that, you know what, if Nebraska wanted Luke Fickle, they could have made a run at Luke Fickle, but they, they at least we can assume, didn't based on what we've heard from Trev and, and Matt Rule, that Matt Rule was the number one guy it's for on Nebraska. on the radar, I'm sure, but they liked Rule better. Yeah, yeah. So what does Wisconsin look like through this first six weeks, and what does Nebraska look like through this first six weeks? Because that is just so intrinsically tied together those these two schools now at least for the next two to three years is which school is rising which school is falling are they both rising i doubt it i don't think nebraska is going to be able to to go much further south than they have been be it can be nebraska and wisconsin contending for the west but that means minnesota and iowa one of those two got to step back and with this uh this this facelift for wisconsin that this could be their Bill Callahan moment where you you change your identity and what you've known to go to something new with this wide open or, offense. Fickle, or, Fickle knows ball though, so I, I don't. It could be their Clemson Dabo Sweeney moment. Dabo really brought Clemson into the 21st century with what the changes he made there. Not like very fair. I, I don't think that's what Fickle does at Wisconsin, just because how ingrained in Wisconsin he's that just is. Waiting and, for Ohio State. We talk about environment and yeah, the, the the potential future of Fickle. I don't think it's a Dabo Sweeney situation, but it could be. It could be that Luke Fickle is the guy that brings Wisconsin into the 21st century and says, you know what, NIL, we're going to embrace it. Uh, an offense that's going to be appealing to the types of athletes that want to go on to the NFL. We're going to change into that and try to bring more talent here. That all remains to be seen, and, and Wisconsin could go either way. I think the most important number for me right now over the offseason, especially for Rule and going into the Big Ten season as maybe that it team, as you talked about, is two. And that's the first two games, obviously. Mm. Minnesota-Colorado. I don't think – I mean, you, you mentioned comparing the first six games for Fickle and Rule – together elijah i think you could do that maybe in the first two 
for for Rule especially because if you lay an egg in weeks one and two, I, obviously it's not over, no. but it's it's that much harder it's, to get. I've seen this movie before. Exactly. What the hell? Exactly. <laughs> and but it's at the same time it's so hard to tell because it's under a different regime. Now if it was the same thing, I'd be like, well that's why. But now it's even harder to tell. So I think the first two games could be in that storyline between Fickle and Rule. Say if Rule wins those first two games, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but if he does, that would look really good for Nebraska being that it team. You're off to a, you're off to a dare I say it, unbeaten start. I mean, Nebraska's never gotten out of the gate and got downhill the last hundred years. I mean, think about it. I'm exaggerating. Michigan looms. That's the only problem. Well, fine. You, 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 Get some momentum built you, up for that moment. You probably date back to that year two under Riley where they started out the year, I believe it was 7-0. That was it. That, 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 that was the last then, time. It didn't feel like a convincing 7-0. Every game felt like you were on the edge of your seat up until like two minutes left. And you go, okay, well, Nebraska's going to pull us one out by three or by five I mean, or whatever. Just what, think about it. What, what kind of tenure can you start with here? Riley, you lose in the Hail, Mar- the Hail Mary to BYU. Frost, the game gets canceled by the good Lord. <laughs> okay, then Colorado beats you at the buzzer. Uh, can can Rule kind of snap that streak of tough starts? We'll continue on to Hale Varsity presented by Currency. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. Hale Varsity presented by Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. Does Nebraska move up? In the Big Ten West hierarchy for 2023, we're chewing on that a bit. You got a little bit of news, a little bit of news on Junior here, uh, Sam Hoiberg. Yeah, Sam Hoiberg slides into the starting lineup, so that's uh, interesting. Keith I'm, all, I'm the bench. all right with that, with the, the rebounding. Yeah, with the rebounding and the hustle, and not that Tominaga isn't trying, but let's just say his uh, forte is coming off the bench and getting to the rim and getting under the opponent's skin and, and hitting some threes. I'll just say, you, you heard that news first from uh, Elijah Herbal in our uh-huh. interview with Andy Markowski, thanks to an assist from Connor Clark. I was going to say, show, and, yeah, he, he was sitting there like, hmm. Break I the mean, I have to ultimately give an assist to somebody else because mm-hmm. I didn't come up with that myself. But. Well, you, I, you didn't dial up Fred real quick? I wish I could. Break? I wish I had that ability. I texted some sources, too. Let it be known. And by some sources, <laughs> I mean one that wasn't named Connor Clark. Mm. And I got, oh, it could happen. And I went, oh, let's, let's roll with it. Let's see what Andy has to say. We're talking about moving up in the Big Ten in Nebraska's prospects to do so it, it could come together the question about it too is the the learning curve coach rule's been very upfront. hey we got to learn how to win in the league here i'm paraphrasing from his press conference but that learning curve could be fierce you've got players you've recruited for the league here on the offensive and defensive line can they deliver uh, there's program transition with Minnesota and their offensive coordinator. Meanwhile, Rutgers has Kirk Siraka heading uh, to uh, Piscataway. Jeff Brom is gone. Ryan Walters is a new head coach. Sparty signed 12 in the portal, lost 14. Indiana signed 14, lost 20. Indiana's really struggling. They're one of those it teams during COVID that finished in the top 10. And there's, See, that- there's just a lot of mystery here with the league, but you do have teams that can be relevant for the first time in a while in November, and you do have teams that can kind of break the door down 
into the top 25 a la Illinois last year. And you mentioned Indiana, their COVID season. I feel like that's the one where you can say, yeah, COVID was weird. Like less Northwestern, more Indiana. I, yeah, I agree. Indiana was the weird one where I went. They'd been on the verge. I mean, they'd been a 6-7 win team, but they go from 7 to uh, whatever, the 8-2 and two in COVID, and uh, they kind of get hosed out of a New Year's Day bowl, but they beat Penn State. Penix was incredible and healthy. They, they scared Ohio State a little bit. I mean, it's a good team, don't get me wrong, but I don't think in a normal season that's an Indiana team that's going and competing with Ohio State for the Big Ten East. Well, I think the main argument that you could have between Northwestern and Indiana that year is that Northwestern's defense was, like, historically good. Mm-hmm. And, and they beat a Justin Fields Ohio State team that put up, what, 47 on Clemson in the college football playoff that year. And I know that's just one game, but it was a high-powered offense. I mean, Nebraska 12-27 throwing the ball. Right. Fields had nowhere to go. Yeah, so I think that the legitimacy of Northwestern's COVID year was a lot more than Indiana. Now, Indiana did lose Michael Penix, and he's still balling um, out in Washington right now. But mm-hmm. I think that Northwestern team, just from top to bottom, was a little bit better. Kalen DeBoer was a big loss, too, after yeah. COVID. <laughs> well, uh, one thing to, to discuss here when we look ahead at this uh, this upcoming season, though, in, in the storylines is we were talking about Wisconsin and, and Nebraska, Matt Rule, Luke Fickle being tied at the hip. September 9th is going to be very, very interesting with Wisconsin heading off to Washington. They take on Washington State the same day that Nebraska heads out to Boulder and takes on Colorado. And based in recent years, I think Washington State is the slightly better team than Colorado. They're, they're nothing... To, to sneeze at but also Colorado's had themselves a decent offseason they're gonna have an influx of talent it'll be young talent but there will be talent there and two Big Ten teams with new head coaches on the road uh taking on Pac-12 foes and I think that's just gonna be very interesting to see you know what does year one look like for each of these teams we're gonna have a very very good barometer early in the season with each of these teams I, I think they're from matchup stylistically to just what each team was last year to what they are now I think those are both very, very good tests for each Nebraska and Wisconsin. You've gone SEC shopping, and yeah, see, and you'll see if the the stars really do shine and live up to the talent of of what these kids were out of high school after a year or two at a Florida, at a Georgia, at an A and M. I mean, on that defensive side of the ball, you saw the pop you got from from Mickey's uh, portal hall from from the Big Twelve and, and LSU. Last year, when the offense was good and clicking, uh, and he had enough time to uh, to make a play downfield, I mean, it, it was uh, pretty prolific. It had its moments. Uh, now, you need to have the run game have more moments. Greg in Michigan emails in Chris at HaleVarsity.com. I know it's Kool-Aid season, but what Searle said the other day about the three three five concerns me in the Big Ten. He said it was built to stop offenses in the Pac-12 and Big 12 so to jump fifty spots seems a little stout to me. <laughs> let's also remember. Let's also Cut remember, though, not to, yeah. to completely disagree with Searles, but they were designed to stop offenses in the Pac-12 and the Big 12. But that was in the '90s. Whenever offenses in the Pac-12 and the Big 12 look drastically different than they do today, so let's also keep that in mind. Yeah, these were designed to stop Pac-12 offenses, but USC in 1997 looked a hell of a lot different than USC in 2023. Well, even then, too, it's going to be modified. For the Big Ten, in order you would to hope stop, at least. Like, yeah, like I think it would be foolish if it if it wasn't. And and this coaching staff will most certainly modify it. And yeah, to your point, Elijah, that was a long time ago now in the, in the '90s, which is kind of weird to say, but um, definitely a, a different style of three three five than what it was. And I'll also note that 
I mean, a lot of coaches, the second time I've said it today, but a lot of coaches we've talked to that I have a lot of respect for say it's not about the X's and the O's, it's about the Jimmy's and the Joe's. And that I do truly believe is that, you know what, with, with good enough talent, with good enough athletes, they'll go out and execute whatever defensive scheme you put in front of them. Now, there is something to, to lining up a scheme with the players that you have and putting guys in roles that are going to make them uh, even better than they actually are. But the Jimmy's and the Joe's are the ones who go out and play football, not the scheme, not the X's and the O's. So do, do you trust the talent that Matt Rule and uh, Coach White are bringing in on the defensive side of the ball. That, that's a, a bigger question to me than what does the three three five look like. It comes down to the talent that you have to put into a three three five defense. I'm all about uh, the chaos plays where in White's defense, you're and you saw Syracuse do this to Minnesota's run game. I mean, they had 30 carries for 79 yards. It's quite frankly shocking that Minnesota won that game. Uh, they did it through special teams, a couple of returns, and that was your difference from a field position standpoint. But you're you're having tackles for loss on that dream of a second and five, right? You get a, a good gain running the football on first down. You're second and six, second and five. Up here's a loss of two from one of your guys uh, in that 3-3-5. Three, three, you didn't know where he was coming from, and now it's third and eight. So it all the math ends up third and eight uh, a lot of times, at least you're hoping. And then the emphasis, guys, on, on the pass rush and to go get the quarterback. That's been an emphasis at Temple. That's been an emphasis at Baylor. That's an emphasis right now for Nebraska to go get the quarterback. And they're talking, what, 40 sacks a season. Uh, Nebraska led the nation Jay Moore's senior year uh, where they had 55 uh, with, with that defense uh, back in 06. So Nebraska no stranger to having guys and get off the edge, go get the quarterback, and really pressure uh, a, a – pass-happy league and pass-happy world of college football. Big Ten's still more meat and potatoes with the run game, but push comes to shove. you got to go create some negative plays on defense. That's an emphasis. Let's be clear. Bo Pelini's 4-3 got gashed on the ground plenty in the Big Ten. Like, all defenses are going to get gabbing. Post-2010, it did. Whenever you go up against 320-pound maulers from Wisconsin, like sometimes the scheme doesn't matter. It's just these guys are better than you, and like you've seen it before with Nebraska. So I can't wait for that day whenever Nebraska gets gashed on the run and all the talking heads in Nebraska go, well, it's the 3-3-5. Well, don't turn the football over. Go score some points in the red zone and help the defense. We'll wind out a Tuesday next.